Welcome to Career Chin Wax for the 21st Century. My name is Catherine Cunningham and I'm a career specialist who's worked with thousands of people by now. And so what I'm trying to do in this podcast series is tap into things that I've learned, things that I've come to understand over the years to help people better manage their careers and be happier at work. So I want to talk first about MBTI. I love it. It's my favorite work. And if I'm, if I'm working with somebody who's not happy at work and they only have one hour to work with me, I always recommend MBTI because if you can uncover your hardwired preferences rather than learned behavior or learned skills, you can use that information to decide what sort of work to do. So, for example, when I was at the bank, my spreadsheets were basically full of errors because I don't have natural attention to detail. Now, since then, I've learned attention to detail. Anybody who works with me on resumes gets pretty amazed at everything I spot. So, yes, I can have attention to detail, but do I want to be in a job all day where I have to absolutely focus on the task at hand and notice every slight little issue? I can tell you no. So where does it come from? I want to give you a little bit of theory before we start. I'm going to look at the four separate letters, M-B-T-I, one at a time, and that will help you understand it. And I'm going to start at the back. So the I stands for indicator. MBTI is not a test. So if you go online and do one of those free versions, it's pretty well a waste of time. It is only an indicator. As an accredited practitioner, I'm bound by the ethics to only ever deliver the assessment with the debrief. Many times people think when they do the assessment that they're, for example, an ENTP, and it's only when you properly explore hardwired preferences in the debrief that they may, for example, come to understand they're not an extrovert, that was learned behaviour, they're actually fundamentally an introvert. So it's an indicator, not a test. The next letter I want to look at is the T. The T stands for type. And there's two issues to look at here. The first one is there are 16 types or 16 possibilities. And that is both the strength and weakness of MBTI. The strength is, from a career perspective, when people get their profile, it's like this aha light bulb moment. Often the comment is, I cannot believe this is so right. The level of detail, however, means that they forget their profile. So if I rang somebody up a year later and said, look, what's your profile? They'll probably get it wrong. For our career purposes, that doesn't matter. All we're trying to do with MBTI is stop for a minute in time, have a think about hardwired preferences, and use that information to make career decisions. And the other aspect of type is it's not tray or trait theory. So many instruments will measure you on a continuum. They'll say you're more like this than a particular cohort or less like this. As soon as you do Myers-Briggs, you will notice that it essentially forces you into one camp or the other. Now, Myers-Briggs is based on Carl Jung's work, and apparently Carl Jung said, of course, none of us are 100% introvert or 100% extrovert, for example, but you will notice it essentially wants you to come down on one side versus the other. And the final letters are MB, and they stand for Myers-Briggs. And it was a mother-daughter combination. Catherine Briggs started in the 1920s, building on Carl Jung's work. He knew of her work. She was the first person who wanted to have a mainstream application of his work. 
So it was really the first time in the world that anybody tried to use personality preferences to help people make career decisions. Because before that, fundamentally, you did what your father did, because of course back then it was mainly men working. You did what your father did, or your career choices were extremely class-driven. Okay, let's move on to the label issue. Some people don't like MBTI because they think it labels them. Yes, it obviously does. A useful analogy, however, might be if you think about your favourite room in the house. So my favourite room in the house is my bedroom. I do a lot of work on my bed. It looks out on a garden. I love the connection with the garden. My least favourite room in the house is the laundry. If you look at MBTI, the bedroom is really where you are most comfortable, where you are most in the flow, in the zone. MBTI does not mean you don't change your behaviour. So yes, of course, I go into the laundry. I don't like the laundry. I find it quite soul-destroying, but I go into the laundry. And probably from a work point of view, the example would be me working on resumes and making sure I dot the I's and cross the T's. I don't really want to do that all day but I quite happily and skillfully go into that laundry. At a minimum, somebody talked to me about this a while ago, and it's always stuck with me. At a minimum, you could argue that those 16 types are just a description of behavior preferences, and that that's no different than the DSM-5, which is the uh, American Psychiatric Association's description of mental disorders. If you've ever looked at that, they will have a series of behaviors that they put underneath a label. The label might be, borderline personality disorder, and underneath they'll have a series of behaviours. So you could argue at a minimum MBTI is no different than that. It's a useful catch-all of behaviours that are put under a label. And finally, if you're really sceptical, there's a guy called Dr Dario Nardi, wonderful guy. I went to one of his conferences in Brisbane a few years ago. And since 2006, he's focused on hands-on brain research. He uses real-time EEG technology to establish the link between the parts of the brain that light up when somebody's in the zone or in the flow doing an activity that matches with their MBTI preferences. If you just Google him, he has lots of information, interesting content and videos. And at the moment, he's producing content for a new book and he's slowly releasing it on LinkedIn. I had a look at his work on ENTP, which is my profile, and I found it even more fascinating. So perhaps explore that as well. Let's get started. Today I'm going to talk about ISFPs. And if there was one phrase to sum them up, it would be, it's the thought that counts. ISFPs live in the present with a quiet sense of joyfulness. They want time to experience each moment of self-understanding, individuality and growth. At their core, ISFPs prize the freedom to follow their own course, have their own space, and set their own time frame. They express their devotion to others spontaneously in many quiet ways. They often have an affinity to nature and for beauty in all living things, people, plants, and animals. When it comes to statistics, they're the fourth most common type. 9% of the general population, 10% of women, and 8% of men. 
They're amongst the types who are most likely to report heart disease and hypertension. In college, they're likely to report low levels of assertiveness and they're amongst the types least likely to stay. They're likely to value a workplace with security, clear and simple instructions and no extra hours. And they're the most likely of all types to report stress about finances and children. They're commonly found in occupations in healthcare, teaching and law enforcement. When it comes to the workplace, ISFPs are likely to be observant, factual and concrete. They're realistic and practical. They're trusting, kind and considerate, flexible and spontaneous, and tolerant and non-judgmental. Famous ISFPs include Cher, Barbara Streisand, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, Bob Dylan, Mozart, Jimi Hendrix, Rihanna, and Michael Jackson. Now, of course, I'm interested in where each type finds career satisfaction, and there's a wonderful book called Do What You Are by Tiger and Barron, and they talk about 10 key drivers that are needed in the workplace for an ISFP to be happy, and I'm only going to talk about five of them today. To an ISFP, career satisfaction means doing work that is consistent with their strong inner values and is something they care deeply about and want to contribute their energy and talents to. The work needs to be done with others in a supportive and affirming climate where they are a loyal and cooperative member of a team. The work needs attention to detail where they work with real things that benefit other people and have practical implications. The work needs to let them be adaptable yet committed where they have a sense of purpose and where they're able to see and experience the actual results of their accomplishments. And the work needs to let them use their sense of taste and aesthetics to enhance their physical workspace, personalise it and make others feel more comfortable. Straying away from the purely career description of ISFPs, I want to talk about a content from a wonderful book, another wonderful book called Working Together by Isaacson and Behrens. And they have a very detailed analysis of how ISFPs behave in the workplace. Once again, I'm just going to cherry pick various elements for you. When it comes to their management style, the management style of the ISFP is understanding, human and easygoing. ISFP managers are pragmatic and expedient. They do whatever needs to be done to get the job done with the least possible effort, and they really like everything to be efficient. They like a comfortable and physically attractive workplace. ISFPs are at their best when responding to crises. They especially work well with people in crisis and adapt well to what is needed. They manage in an action-oriented way, gently persuading people to get the job done. ISFPs like variety in what they do. Their expertise is to solve immediate and concrete problems. They have no need to fight systems, policies and procedures. They just ignore them if and when these systems prevent them from achieving whatever has to be done. As leaders, ISFP managers tend to be action-oriented. Not having anything to do is worse than being on overload. They are at their very best when there is an opportunity to find solutions to specific concrete problems. Often they have an uncanny capacity to spot malfunctions before others, and then they may be so absorbed in solving the problems of the moment 
that the future doesn't exist in their realities. What about their values? Above all, ISFPs value freedom and a sense of personal dignity. They are not people who particularly enjoy relying on established systems and procedures unless they have invented these themselves. They hate routine and rigid adherence to hierarchy and structure. In fact, they're not the kind of people who prefer or look for specific instructions and policies. Rather, they just dive in to both learn and perfect what they do as they move along. When it comes to their attitude, they have an attitude of optimism, and along with this attitude goes cheerfulness and looking for the positive and uplifting in just about any situation. ISFPs also show a natural cynicism, expecting others to always be looking out for themselves and for the payoff, yet they tend to want to be trusting and receptive. When it comes to skills, ISFPs are skilled at anything tactical, manoeuvring to overcome obstacles. They are quite resourceful and able to use whatever is at hand to get the job done. Count on them to jury-rig just about anything. To make do with what there is is their inclination, as opposed to dreaming up some new intangible idea or concept. What's their driving force? ISFPs have a high need for action, spontaneity and variation, and they dislike repetition. They are driven to compose in whatever medium they find the free variable, which they can shape, improve and perfect. They may be driven to act on impulse, seemingly caught up in the action itself. This kind of absorption in activity comes naturally to the ISFP. To do things because of duty, responsibility, relationships or insight has no interest to them. When it comes to authority, ISFPs want to please and prefer to respond favourably to others. Even so, they are autonomous, wanting to call the shots on their own actions. Their wanting to please others stems more from the desire to have an impact rather than an obedient attitude. As followers, they may readily challenge authority or ignore it if it does not seem to be getting things done. Authority is not necessarily granted by title and tenure. ISFPs admire the creative initiative in others. Authority to ISFPs is expressed through superior performance, not in promises of the future. And finally, what are their blind spots and pitfalls? ISFPs tend to be rather egalitarian in their attitudes towards others. They share freely, and sometimes in error, and believe that others have a similar attitude, which frequently tends not to be the case. They may get so involved and caught up in the action of the moment that they fail to direct their energies towards different, sometimes more important objectives. The ISFP typically tends to go for the quick fix, and be impatient with longer-range, more permanent kinds of solutions. And for ISFPs to work with someone they have decided not to like becomes very difficult, sometimes to the point of impossibility. And let's finish with a bit of fun, again from that Quora group. How would you know whether an ISFP likes you? If they like you, they can be both shy and flirtatious at the same time. They will want to be around you all the time, but at the same time feel awkward doing so. They may spend time working out their feelings, conflicted about whether they actually like you or if it's just a momentary attraction. Once they decide they actually like you, they'll want to spend a lot of time around you, playfully touching and flirting and remembering specific details about you you didn't think they'd remember. If they don't like you, they'll turn you down as kindly as possible. 
Where to from here? I think it would be no surprises for you to hear me say that I think it's really important for you to understand your profile and that you set up a session with an accredited MBTI practitioner. There's no point doing one of those online assessments. It's the assessment and then the debrief that together gives you your better understanding of your preferences. I love the MBTI Step 2 Interpretive Report because not only will it show you your hardwired preferences, but it will also highlight areas where you happen to behave differently to your preferences, and I find that very useful. Obviously, people who come to see me mainly use MBTI for career purposes. Generally, either they want to identify a new career path that will link with their preferences or because they're not happy at work and they want to be happier at work. I think it has a further reach. I use it very much in my personal life, and my poor husband gets used as an example. When I first met him, Phil's an ISTJ, and he's therefore very methodical in the way he does the grocery shopping. And being an ENTP, I'm not methodical at all. And I was horrified at the way he shopped. But understanding his profile made me realize, of course, that's how an ISTJ would shop. And so I don't judge him for shopping that way. I make sure I don't go shopping with him. I meet him afterwards for a coffee. But I find it has helped me understand myself, but also to understand and respect others. I think that's wonderful. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in more information, you'll find show notes on the website that might be of interest to you. And if you're interested in general career matters, every month I do a mail out. It might be a blog, an infographic, a short one one minute or two minute video, or of course a podcast. If you're interested, you'll find a sign up form on the website or just email us at admin at careerconsult.com.au. And as always, I'm going to finish with the hashtag, my company hashtag. When I first started social media some years ago, everything was about hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. And I just happened to think up what I think is a wonderful hashtag, which really is the basis for all of my work in this career space. And the hashtag is hashtag, why not be happy at work? <laughs> <laughs>